0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Well, hello, New Life. Hope you're doing well. This is going to be a fun time of teaching. I'm sitting here in... my living room where my family and I have been in embracing the quarantine, the, the SIP, the shelter in place that we're trying to help as we all play our part, this time of social responsibility, trying to mitigate that curve, flatten it down so that we can get through this COVID-19 period and hopefully help people that are in places of vulnerability simply by just staying home. So I hope you're safe, I hope you're feeling good, I hope you're doing all right, and as you're huddled together in your home and your spaces, hopefully with some family, with some people that you can be with, um, you'll get to enjoy this time of teaching. And so what we want to do this Sunday is jump back into the series we started two weeks ago. As we started the series Opportunity is Knocking. And if you missed that for any reason, I would just encourage you, go online, go to our website and jump back and catch that first week of the series because we're trying to build on this idea of how do we How do we hear God speak and hear Jesus move as he wants to lead us into new doors, into new opportunities, new things he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And so I'm excited to jump back in with you today. And so what we're going to do is just real quick, unpack something Jesus said that was foundational and it's going to be foundational for this entire series that we're going to be running in. And so Jesus says something to some of his first followers. We see this in the last book in the scriptures, the last book in our Bible is called Revelation. And this is what Jesus says in Revelation 3.8. He says i know all the things you do and he's really trying to speak to this group of first followers and encourage them and he says and i have opened a door for you that no one can close and you have little strength that you obeyed my word and did not deny me and i love that that this group of followers of Jesus were going through their own first century really hard some persecution and challenges Jesus is like, hey, I I know you're hanging in there, and I want you to know I have things for you, that even though this is a difficult time, I have opportunities that I want to lead you into. I'm opening a door, and you're going to be able to walk through that into some amazing things. And and so that's kind of this foundation for this series, that we see Jesus really wanting to lead us into new things, and how do we follow him into that? And so there's this interesting thing that, that some of us have adopted in our own faith journey. It's kind of a popular way of praying that we've kind of adopted. when. We're discovering a new opportunity or situation and trying to figure out if it's for us or not. And, and the prayer kind of goes like this. Hey, Jesus, would, would you close this door if you don't want me to go through it? I don't know if you've ever prayed like that when you're considering something. And, and it's not a bad prayer by any means, but it's it's kind of asking for the easy thing versus really maybe working through the harder thing. And And, and here's what I mean by that. Closed doors, though they can be painful because it's something maybe we did want, they're kind of easy. Here's what I mean. So back in the beginning of 1999, I put my heart out towards this girl that I was in serious like with. That that I'd liked her for several years and, and was playing the friend route and the friend card. And I remember I just decided I was going to be brave and I was going to just tell her how I felt and so we sat down together and I just told her like "Hey, I like you and she's like yeah I like you too and I'm like no no but I mean I like you like I like you like you and then I realized she knew what I meant when I said that and she kind of got quiet and pulled back and, and she just said like I, I don't really think of you that way and and I was like well like how do you think of me and, and she says well I, I think of you like i think of my older brother tim and i was like oh now tim's a great guy i love tim tim was a good friend of mine at the time but we weren't living in arkansas so i realized that this was not going to go where i wanted to go and and so i was very disappointed but but here was the thing i walked out of that conversation like okay like closed door it was a hard thing to experience but it was easy i didn't have to figure anything out in this relationship that door was closed and it was time to move on See, that's different, though, than when there's an open door. Like what Jesus was talking about, where here's something I want you to figure out to walk through. And, and the challenge of an open door is that we have to decide. Like, we have to choose if we're going to step through it or not. And that was what was exciting and scary when I met Christy in the end of 1999. As as I began to discover who she was and realize fairly early on, I think she might be the one I want to pursue and... And, and knit my life together with but that was scary because suddenly I had to take steps and I had to be brave and and pursue her and put my heart out again and, and all sorts of things but it was scary and and the reason why is because open doors they stir things up in us like they can stir up doubts about the situation they can stir up our own self-doubts they can Stir up uncertainty and insecurities or fears or, or regrets that we have or what if I make a mistake or but the, the fear of just what if or what if this is the wrong choice or what if it doesn't go the way I want or sometimes an open door means I have to say no. I have to say no to other things and other opportunities. And so open doors, even though they sound cool, let me tell you, they're super scary because, well, they challenge us to actually do something. So, so let me ask you, if you, were, if you were in New Life two weeks ago when we were t- talking, uh, I encouraged us at the end of that first teaching to, to have the audacity to ask Jesus to show us some open doors in the coming week, and, and I, I wonder, did you do that? Or, or were you simply in a space of, I like the idea of the open door, and I, I left really excited, but I never actually pursued anything? And I don't ask you that question to, to shame you by any means, but, but maybe just to help you self-identify in your own journey. Yeah, open doors can be scary. I, I was afraid to walk through it. I, I love how um, author and teacher John Ortberg writes it in his book, All the Places to Go, How Will You Know? He, he says this. He says, Jesus says, I have set before you an open door, not I have set before you a finished script. And see, an open door is a beginning. It's an opportunity, but it has no guaranteed ending. It's not a sneak peek at the finish If it's to be entered, it has to be entered only by faith. And see, I think we need to grab hold of that because to step up to an open door, it actually requires something. And this is what it requires. Open doors require faith. And when I say that, I'm not not talking about some blind leap as if somehow we we, we have to live at the winds of circumstance or, or we're bound to this predetermined will of God that we have to figure out on our own. That, that, that's not what I mean by faith, because whenever we see faith talked about in the Bible, it's never talked like that. Faith is never that blind sort of leap or some mere wishful thinking of, I hope this is true or hope it's going to turn out. That when we see faith talked about in the, in the scriptures, faith is always an intentional step of partnering with God, partnering with Him because He has proven Himself to be trustworthy again and again, over and over. In fact, when, when Jesus even called his own followers to, to walk with him and to believe that he could do the things that he said he could do, he he never just said, because I say so. He, he actually said something really cool. Look at what Jesus says here in John 14 to, to his first followers. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? My, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. He, he, he's basically appealing, to, don't you understand who I am? And, and I've come to do God's work and, and to do some incredible things. So just believe, look at what he says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And, and yet he doesn't leave it there because he realized for some that was a hard ask. And so he says, or at least Believe because of the work you've seen me do. Listen, if you don't know me enough yet to, to fully trust me, I get it. So look at what I've done. You've seen the things that I've done. That's the evidence. So because of the things you've seen me do, believe in me. Trust me because of what I've shown you, what you've seen. And, and so open doors require faith. And faith is trusting because you have good reason to believe that he is trustworthy. And I think one of the reasons why acting in faith is challenging for us is because living by faith means means we have to forego a life of certainty and say, hey, here's how I want my life to go. Joel, here's the script. Memorize the lines. Try to say them with meaning. And if it all goes well, hopefully you'll get a golden trophy after the credits roll. But that's not what life is like I mean where in life do we have certainty I mean none of us saw 2020 unraveling the way it's currently going we didn't see that coming so why do we expect certainty when it comes to living a life of faith when we don't really expect that in any area of life and, and I think as much as we might want certainty I mean even if you could have it let me tell you I, I think just wanting certainty to go through an open door certainty it's overrated It's overrated because not only is it unrealistic, that desire for certainty will actually hinder us from moving forward. Again, listen to how how John Orpah puts it in his book, All the Places You'll Go. He says this, he says, if you wait to move until you're fully ready, you'll wait until you die. And Jesus doesn't say, go, you're ready. He says, Go. I'll go with you, I and mean, that 's the picture we see in the people that we have their stories recorded for us in the scriptures we We see this example time and time again of hey, not ready, but here we go. so you, you look at a guy like Moses Moses was used to to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and yet he was a wanted man he He had fled Egypt forty years earlier because he had killed so, killed a, a a Pharaoh slave. Driver and trying to protect his people, and he had to get out of Dodge, and and yet here's God saying, "Hey, I want you to go back." And then Pharaoh, Moses is like, "I can't. I have a speech impediment." And and yet God's like, no, "No, no, we've got this." Or you got another character like a guy named Gideon. Again, this man who God used to to free his people from oppression from another group of people at another point in time. And yet when we first meet Gideon, he's hiding from his enemies because he is afraid of them. And yet God says. I've got something for you. And so he he steps up, ready or not, here I come. or or you've got this woman, Rahab. I mean, you, you talk about somebody you don't you would not think would be on the list of here's people God used to do great things. I mean, she was a pagan prostitute living in occupied territory and, and yet she defied her government to protect some of the spies that God had sent in, and and then God rescued her and he actually puts her into the story, the the, the timeline of Jesus' ancestry. Or you got this other woman named Ruth who was an immigrant living on a welfare. And again, somebody you you think didn't have it all put together, yet she had the courage to ask the boy out. And he said yes. And it's a beautiful love story. If you've never read the story of Ruth, check it out this week. You've got time. Or you've got this guy, David. David was this shepherd who who stepped into the octagon to fight a giant and and became a king. Or you have Mary, a, a pregnant teenager who raised the savior of the world. And yet when we first meet all these people in their stories, none of them were ready. Yet all of them said, okay, God, here we go. You know, and I've experienced this in my own story and in my own journey of, of stepping into the things that God had for me. Like back in the, the, the day we were living in Southern California and God was putting this idea of Canada on the map for Christie and our family. And I remember sitting down with one of my mentors at the time and just trying to process all this out loud. And and I remember he had said something that, that kind of caught me off guard. And he just said, hey, Joel, I just, I just don't know if you're ready yet. And at one level, it, it kind of hurt because I was looking for encouragement and support from him. But I remember as soon as he said those words, it was like God just kind of intercepted that and said, no, don't buy that. It's like, Joel, when have you ever felt ready for the things that I've called you to? And I realized in that moment, I've never felt ready when God said, let's do something new. But what I found is that when I took that step into that thing, into that opportunity, into that place, he met me and he grew me. And what I knew in that moment was if I want to grow into more of what God has for me, I have to walk through this door into this place called Canada because that's the next part of the adventure. And see, faith grows when we say yes. In fact, you'll never know what you can do. You'll never know what God has for you until you go, until you step through that door that Jesus has opened for you. And so how do, we, how do we develop that ability to say yes? How do we develop that, that muscle that says, okay, I'm in, ready or not, here I come. Well, I think we can. I think we can actually begin to partner with the things that Jesus wants, whether we feel like we're ready or not, and say, okay, I'm in. And and so let me share some things with you that I think if you practice this, it will help develop your yes muscle so you can step through those doors, those opportunities that Jesus has for you. So the first thing here is this. The first idea is you got to forget about having great faith. Instead, focus on walking with a great God. I love what Jesus says. He says in John 16:33, he says, "Hey, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart because I've overcome the world. Like you're on my team now, and I'm with you." And then in the end of Matthew 28:20, 20, he, he says as he's given his followers this great mission to go and share this hope to the world. He says, "I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. See, we walk with the great God who has done great things. And we walk with the great God who is still doing great things. And he invites us to partner with him, to, to journey with him, so that with him, we can do great things as well. I remember once um, some friends we were sitting down in, in a small group with a group of friends, and just saw everyone sharing their stories. And one of the friends made this comment towards Christy and I, just kind of hearing parts of our story. And they're like, you guys have just such great faith that, and I remember when, when she said this to us, I just, I just laughed. I'm like, you have no idea the internal dialogue that goes on in my life almost on a daily basis. I, I do not have great faith. I've, I've just come to see so much of who God is and how amazing Jesus is that I just said, like, okay, we'll go with you and we'll trust you. And and we've seen him do incredible things in our story. And see, there's this important principle to to building up your faith, to growing in faith, to actually developing your ability to trust. And and it's a very simple principle, and it goes like this. Trust begets trust. So do you know how you gain trust traction with God? You take a step with Him. You take a step so you can discover just how incredibly trustworthy He is. And you continue to do that. And in doing that, you discover for yourself that, God, I, I can't trust you. With more of my life, because I've seen what you've done with the life I've given you so far. I've seen what you've done as I've stepped into the opportunities, and trust begets trust. And and let me just encourage you with this thought right now. Like maybe you're you're, you're listening to this and you're thinking like, yeah, but Joel, my my faith just feels like it stalled out a long time ago. And I would just want to encourage you. Like I, I don't think your faith is stalled out because you're some horrible person. I mean, maybe you know someone who is, but maybe that's not you, right? I think what's more likely the case is that somewhere along the way, you just stop taking that next step. And in, in doing so, you, you step back instead of stepping forward. And so, yeah, you feel like your faith is kind of in a funk at this point. And here's the good news about faith. You can rekindle faith. You can breathe on the embers. and. And take a next step with God. And all, all you have to do is say, okay, what's the next step that you have for me? And be willing to step into that. And your faith will come back to life in very real and vibrant ways. And that's one of the ways that we grow our yes muscles. That, that we, we forget about trying to have great faith and we focus on walking with the great God. And, and here's another way that you can begin to grow the, the, the yes muscle that lets you step into the opportunities that Jesus has for you. Start with the doors that are in front of you. See, in the same way that trust begets trust, small things lead to bigger things. In fact, how you respond to the small things today, it's going to shape how you're going to respond to the bigger things in life later. And so do you want a bigger life? Do you want more than what you have so far? Then be faithful with with what's right in front of you. And Jesus talks about this in Luke 16.11, or Luke 16.10, he says that, Whoever's faithful with a few things will be faithful with many things. And and so if we're being faithful with the small things today, well, that's how we begin to step into bigger things later. And and yet sometimes I think when we're wrestling with small things, it's not the question of faith anymore. It's the question of our perception of what we think is small potatoes. I mean, because let's be honest, um, it's easy to get excited about big things. It's hard to get excited about seemingly insignificant moments. And yet so often it's those insignificant moments that matter to the development of our ability to step into bigger things. God speaks through one of his prophets in the book of Zechariah. And they're beginning to do this work of rebuilding the temple at that point in time. And yet it's challenging and it doesn't seem like there's any progress. And he says these words in Zechariah 4.10 to encourage them. And he's like, hey, don't despise small beginnings. In fact, the Lord delights in the beginning of something. Because I think when God sees us say yes, he sees the potential of where that yes is going to take us. And he's so excited, like, oh, you said yes. You don't know. You have no clue where we're going. It's so excited. And I think when we're willing to say yes, we get to to see what happens. Because when we say yes to the small things, we get to create and shape those things. And in being faithful, it's not only do we shape those things, we are shaped in the process of our yes and saying that. And I think when Jesus looks at people that say yes, he gets excited because he's like, I have so much more for you. And that yes today is going to lead into greater things tomorrow. And I think that sometimes Jesus is just waiting for us, just waiting for us to see if he can trust us with the bigger things that he's just waiting to give us. And so here's a question to ask yourself when you think about the opportunities that God has set in your life in the past, and the things that maybe you, you know that Jesus is kind of tapping you on the shoulder about in your life today. and It's a simple question. Ask this. Am I trustworthy with what's being offered to me? And so you Life, I think as a church, we have to ask ourselves this question, because I think Jesus is just waiting on us to see if he can trust us with greater things. I think it's almost like you're saying, hey, New Life, I'm, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you to step into this moment, to step into this opportunity, to show yourselves trustworthy. And I'm just waiting to give you more, to trust you with people that you're going to get to introduce me to. So be faithful with the little thing I've put in front of you today. And as we are faithful, as we step into the doors that are in front of us, we, we exercise that yes muscle and our faith grows and we say yes to greater things and And I think that's a phenomenal thing that's so simple, but I think we miss it sometimes. So don't miss those small doors. And here's another way that we develop our yes muscle as we begin to look at the opportunities in front of us and have the courage to step into them. We've got to adopt an abundance mindset. And this is so important because scarcity will always kill forward progress. And the reason it kills forward progress is because Scarcity limits our imaginations for what is possible. But when we focus on who we have, this, this this Jesus who's a part of our story, this God who's at work in our lives, when we focus on him and we don't get hung up on what we have or what we don't have, we actually begin to live life like large, like we're ballers. We just, hey, I have a bankroll because I got a God whose power is at work in my life. A couple, couple days ago, as we were just kind of seeing the news and, and realizing, hey, we're probably going to get caught up into a, a voluntary quarantine situation. Um, our, our family went out and we took our reserve of toilet paper and we took a roll of toilet paper with a little note to to give to all of our neighbors just to say, hey, when things get crazy and we're, we're in this with you, you're not alone. And so here, and, and I, I remember doing that on purpose because I, I wanted my daughters to see something in that. I, I wanted them to see Hey, we can hoard this toilet paper, or we can be generous with this toilet paper and, and see what, what God is going to do as we trust Him with us. Trust Him with, with that stuff. And, and I think because that's what Jesus calls us to. I mean, listen to what Jesus says about this in Matthew 6 when He's talking about life and don't get caught up on the things that seem big but aren't. Instead, of, instead focus on the things God has for you. He says this He says, Don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? I think right now he's saying, or what will I use to wipe my bum? Don't worry about these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. It's like he's saying, God's got your back. So focused on the things that God has for you, walk through that door with confidence and everything you need will be given to you along the way. And so let's maybe trust that God's got our backs. Let's adopt an abundance mindset and trust that he's going to lead us and take care of us. And you know, there's a real life opportunity for us right now as a church that that we knew going into this year in 2020. It's, it's the fact that we, we knew that we were walking into a current budget challenge because of some of the, the hardships that New Life has gone through in the last 18 months. And and we knew that we would be in an upside-down budget where we're actually projecting a deficit, and, and yet we're walking into this time hoping that the collective us that's church will step into this time and begin to really give generously so that we can thrive as a church in the season. And, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about our budget right now. And it's not because I'm turning a blind eye to reality it's it's because i know that jesus is working here and and i actually believe in you and, and i believe in us because we're not in this just for us like i, I sensed this whole idea of this new life being a church that wanted to be for something greater than itself From my very first phone call with the search team and, and every step along the way, and so far, every conversation and every leadership meeting I've been in thus far, it's, it's just proven to be true that, that we are a church that's not focused on ourselves. We're a church that exists for them, for our family and our friends and our neighbors, for whom we want to be church. And see, this is a great opportunity for us as we move into this year. This is a chance for us to sow some seeds of generosity through our giving, through our giving. And when we sow those seeds of generosity, we're going to reap a harvest of opportunity because generosity always leads into more. And see, when when God opens a door for you, when Jesus says, here's an opportunity, it's never just for you. It's never just for our own benefit. It's so we can be a blessing to others. But listen to how Paul puts this in one of his writings to the first Christians. Paul, one of the early leaders of the Christian church, who wrote so much of the books we have in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he he captures this idea like this. And he says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. And you must decide in your heart how much to give. So don't, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves a person who gives gives cheerfully. God never wants us to give out of guilt or we're trying to buy him off because someone's strong arm is. He wants it to be a generous response because God, I trust you with what you've given me. So take this and do something great with it. And then Paul says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And I love that idea because Paul's taking this idea of a blessed life and saying it's not a blessing that's just for you. You're blessed, so you can bless others. And I love that because I think oftentimes in our culture today, we we love to talk about a blessed life. And so you see people like experiencing neat things and they'll post it on social media and they'll do like hashtag blessed, right? So somebody that got that last roll of to toilet paper at Costco and they're like, I have a blessed life and. And yet I think as followers of Jesus, we we need to go past that and actually complete the hashtag the way he want us to. So it's not simply hashtag blessed, it's it's hashtag blessed to blessed. That we've been blessed so that we can be a blessing to other people. And and so if we're willing to do these things, if we're willing to to practice these things that that, that I've just talked about, I think it will actually help us grow our guest muscle and help us develop the ability to say, okay, I'm going to step into that opportunity To grow into people who say, hey, ready or not, here I come. Because I want to go through that opportunity, Jesus, you've set in front of me. I want to grow. And you know what's really cool about saying yes? You know what's really cool about stepping up to the opportunities that Jesus is leading you into? Saying yes, though scary, kills an even greater fear that we have in life. And that's... FOMO, that's that fear of missing out. See, again, when our family was deciding back in 2013, if we were going to go to Canada and step through this door that Jesus had opened for us or not, I I actually had within me two conflicting fears going on. And these were my two fears. What if we say yes? That was my first fear. Like, what if we say yes? What, What will this mean for our family? Like, this is fundamentally changing the lives of our daughters I don't know the implications of this, and is it going to go well or not? And will we freeze to death or not? Like so many "what if" that that fears that came from. What if we say yes? And yet, at the sec, at the same time, there was the second fear that was rising up, and and it was the fear that said, "This. What if we say no? What, what will we miss out on this 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 adventure that Jesus is setting in front of us?" And and I remember as we were just trying to figure this out, my my wife and I, Christy and I, we went and we saw the first of the the Hobbit films that came out that year, and it's the very start of the, the story of Bilbo, and, and there's this scene where, where Bilbo has this opportunity to go on this crazy adventure with these dwarves and with Gandalf, and and yet he just wants to get him out of his house, and so he goes to bed, and he wakes up the, the next morning, and they've all left on the adventure without him, and he just smiles because he's in his happy little life once again, and then he looks around and sees that opportunity walked out the door, and he missed it. And, and the next scene, it shows him with his backpack on, chasing after them, and all his neighbors were looking at him, and he's just yelling, I'm going on an adventure. And anyway, like, I remember that like, Christy and I left the movie, we just looked at each other. It's like, are we going to be Bilbo or are we going to be something else? And i see in that moment, I realized, I, I don't, I don't want to come to the end of my days living with the question, what if, what if I had said yes? What if I had stepped through when today I can, kill that fear by saying, okay, let's do this. Ready or not here I come. I'm stepping through the doors. Jesus, what do you have for me? Let's do this. And see, if you truly want a greater life, if, if that's something that we want to chase after, then we have to fight against our culture that tells us it's all about you. I mean, that's how our culture markets to us. It it markets to us by telling us it's all about us. It's all about our comfort, our security, our convenience, our right now happiness. But do you know where that cultural narrative will ultimately lead us? It will lead us into a life of obscurity. See, because our our culture tells us that the big dream, the, the great goal is to have a cushy retirement. So make sure you're saving up enough so that you can get to that moment where you don't have to work and you can just, ah, and breeze through the rest of your life. And I look at that and I'm like, okay, cool. But but then what? Because do you know what's on the other side of a cushy retirement? RIP, like rest in peace. Like, like, that's the future that, that, that our culture is telling us, hey, live so that you can have a cushy retirement and get to that point of life and then, then what? And, and, and listen, the goal of life is not to have some words about you chiseled in a stone that's going to get overgrown with weeds. No, the, the goal of life is to impact people in such a way that it ripples All around you, ripples all around them, and echoes into this future that you're creating for other people by how you choose to live your life today. And see, when we begin to follow Jesus, we walk with the one who defied the tomb and overcame the grave. In fact, Jesus, Jesus had a radically different RIP in his story. His was not rest in peace, his was rise in power. And then Jesus invites us to follow him into that same life, to follow him into a life beyond obscurity, into a life of power and adventure and meaning. And so Jesus said, because I live, you will live too. So let's get busy living for what matters most today and chasing after him and stepping into those open doors that he has for us. And see, when we live like that, I think we actually make a difference in this world. I love how C.S. Lewis captures this in his his writing, and his reflection on Christians who had made a difference in, in the course of human history. Listen to what he says about this. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It's since Christians have largely ceased to think of the next world that they have become so ineffective in this one. So what if? What if we could change that narrative because we dared to believe there is more, that Jesus has more for us? And what if it's waiting for you on the other side of that opportunity he's set in front of you today? And see, you'll never know. You'll never know until you go, until you move towards that opportunity, that opportunity that's around you, the opportunities that are around you every single day. You'll never know until you say, ready or not, here I come. So we're in a very strange time in our country right now and in the world right now. And yet we're seeing opportunities spring up around us, even as we're trying to stay safe. And and so what what do you think some of those things could be for you in this coming week? Like what's something you could do that's both socially responsible and sacrificially impactful for the good of another person? Like what if, what if you chose to to reach out to someone that you know is just as isolated as you are, but you chose to take the step towards them by reaching out and calling them or or Getting a hold of them on FaceTime and just checking up on them and and saying, how are you? Hey, I was thinking about you. Hey, is there anything I can do? How can I pray for you? How can I give some encouragement to you? You don't know how impactful that might be to another person for them to realize somebody cared enough to reach out to me. Maybe that's something you can do for the benefit of another person. Or maybe, maybe you could choose to give up some supplies that you have in the cupboard right now because you know there's somebody in need that's maybe living right next door to you. Or maybe you could go and get some supplies for someone, you know, who's in a very vulnerable place. That They're in that category of people that, hey, it's not safe for you because of an age demographic or because of a health issue in their life. And you said, you know what, it's too risky for you to go to the store, but I'll take that risk on for your sake. So what do you need? And I'll go get the stuff that you need. Maybe you could do that for someone today. Or maybe you could choose in this moment right now to cut some expenses on purpose so that in the coming months, you're ready to lay down some Benjamins for the benefit of someone who's going to be impacted economically by what's going to happen. We may get through COVID-19 and be just fine, but economically, there's going to be some long-term ripple effects and there's going to be some people who need some serious help. And know what if we were intentional now to say, you know what, I'm going to put aside some money so that I can help my friend. I can help my neighbor for when that day's coming. There's a rainy day coming, so I will be their umbrella. I will look out for them. I will be there for them. Man, what is the opportunity that Jesus has right in front of you right now that he's saying, come on, let's go. There's adventure here. There's opportunity here. What's the open door that he's inviting you to step up to, to step through and let's do it. Let's be counted amongst those who say, ready or not, here I come. And so new life, I hope you're doing well. It's so hard to be separated in this time, but it doesn't mean we have to step back or shrink back. And, and so my hope is that you will be safe. And, and you know, my hope is that you will also be brave and that you will be for others this is not a time where we have to shrink back. This is a time where we can shine and show to people around us how beautiful and amazing Jesus is, because we see him at work in us and through us. So God bless you, and we're going to let you know what the coming weeks are going to look like as we figure it out with you, and so we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.